My little Buddha working on a laptop doll is squeaking again. And that can only mean one thing. Lunar eclipse. Well, yeah, that was last night. Uh, The moon passing through the Earth's shadow. Now it's time to get back into the light. Back into the sun's energy. Back into learning mode. It's the English Teacher John Show, number 61. Let's go! Welcome to the English Teacher John Show number 61. Our show is for English learners of all abilities. Um, We always, well, almost always, use clear and easy to understand English. And it's recorded and produced right here in our not-so-professional studio in Matsumoto, Japan. My name is John Coons, and I'm an English teacher and netcaster podcaster and your host of the English Teacher John Show. You know, I would really like to report to you today that I witnessed last night's uh, eclipse of the moon or lunar eclipse, but, well, I missed it. To be honest, I didn't even know about it. I was checking out the news this morning, and uh, I saw the story. Also, a couple of students mentioned it today. Um, Usually, I'm aware of these natural events, but um, I just plain didn't know about this one. Did any of you catch it last night? The uh, lunar eclipse? All right, well, uh, let's look at the show index. In today's show number 61, there are just two segments, two good segments. Uh, First, we'll have an interview with Yona. She is really an interesting person, and uh, I think you'll enjoy this interview. And after that, uh, segment number two, it's quotations, some uh, motivational quotations from personal development guru, Anthony Robbins. All right, let's get on with the show. Our friend Yona stopped by the English teacher John studio, and we invited her up to the mic for an interview. Uh, She is really one of my favorites. Her family background is multicultural, And she always offers a fresh perspective on anything you want to talk about. Okay, let's listen to the interview with Yona. Okay, hello again, everyone. Uh, Our guest today is Yona. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, um, on this lovely day. Yes. You guys can't see this. We're looking out to the garden here. Lovely. uh, What can we see out there, Yona? We have grapes, we have a whole vegetable garden, lots of green. 
and there's some clothes hanging on the line. But let's not talk about that. Uh, so I'm going to let uh, uh, Yona has uh, some interesting uh, things to talk about. I think an interesting life and an interesting background. So I'll let her introduce herself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, hello, I'm Yona. Um, I grew up in Japan. My father's Japanese and my mother's German. Um, I was born in Japan, but I went to German school in Tokyo. So, German um, school in Tokyo? Mm -hmm. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah. I, I know a fair amount of things about Yona, but that I didn't know. So I graduated high school in Tokyo, and I went to university in Germany. Ah. So I spent mm. about 10 years in Germany, and afterwards I flew off into the world, seeing many countries, especially For example, Asia. Hmm. Especially India. Hmm. Hmm. I have some experience in India too. Yeah, India is great. India is very deep in a sense, so hmm. I love that country. Very nice. And uh, you, where are you living now? Um, I can't really tell. I'm still in Japan for a few months. Hmm. I'm in Germany. I go to India again. Well, we're very happy that you are. You have stopped by. Matsumoto to, mm -hmm. to see us and uh, yeah you have I, th I think uh, it's very interesting to meet someone you're half Japanese I guess we could say that I, I don't really like this half half but your mother is German your father is Japanese so I, I think um, you have an inter interesting uh, perspective uh, first of all how, how do you find it you know a lot you are part German part Japanese uh, what what could you? What are the differences? What do you think? You've spent time in Japan. You've spent time in Germany. What are the obvious differences between these two places and um, cultures? Yeah, these two countries, Germany and Japan, are often compared hmm. because they have a similar history somehow. They both hmm. uh, lost in World War Two. Hmm. Afterwards, they try to recover from the war and build up fast uh, good economy so now they're b both their leading countries in mm. a way so um, also in character you sa say Germans and Japanese they're both diligent they're hard-working people mm. they're a little serious sometimes I boring th <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but about that <laughs> I married a Japanese person I don't think she's boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that made them work so hard that they are having a good living standard now. Hmm. Hmm. So these are similarities, but the biggest difference, you say, is usually is the individualistic lifestyle in Germany or the West also. Hmm. And in Japan you have this collective consciousness of people working together, not saying mm. so much your own opinion and yeah. what, what do we call this kind of a group structured society collectivism collectivism I think for me uh, living in the States and then India and other uh, Europe a little bit and now in Japan uh, this is probably the hardest part for me to get used to the uh, the sense that the group opinion, the group feeling, 
is more important than any one individual. But, uh, what do you think about that? that that's been kind of a, a tricky thing for me to understand and feel comfortable with. Yeah, it's really one biggest, uh, yeah, it's the hardest to understand maybe in Japan, this collectivism. I grew up here and I went to German school, so I thought I was Japanese somehow because mm. I grew up here. It's my country somehow. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Germany and I noticed people always ask your opinion. And if you can't answer, they think you're really dumb. <laughs> and in Japan, you're just not used to be asked that way. Yeah, right. Uh, it's a place where people generally don't ask you your opinion yeah. here in Japan. Yeah. And you shouldn't sometimes because uh, it's not the place to put yourself into the center. Somehow it looks yeah. egocentric from the Japanese point of view to put your opinion and yourself in the middle of discussion. Right, right. Yeah, which uh, I, I, I look at it sometimes as when I go home, especially when I go home to the States, uh, lots of people are doing things, whether they're wearing crazy things or doing something, and they're, they're almost trying to say, hey, everyone, look at me. And when I come to Japan, and when I'm here in Japan, I realize everyone's saying, hey, please, don't look at me. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's true. It's, it's kind of like yeah. that. Yeah, It has a historical uh, development also. Why, it, mm. why Japan is collectivist? Japan mm. uh, used to be an agricultural society. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that times, it was really important that everyone worked together. Everybody helped each other. Um, especially in the season of harvest, in the season of planting. They needed their help. Right. Otherwise, you couldn't survive. So you mm. couldn't be an outsider of society. You had to be somehow part of it. And in order to be part mm. of it, you had to contribute to it. You had to uh, look for the whole picture rather than the development of your own individualistic right. goals. Right. I wonder, uh, but I mean, it wasn't that long ago, Europe, uh, the U.S., uh, I don't know, maybe the 19, early 1900s, where people were pretty much agricultural people. I don't know, maybe late 1800s, but not that long ago. So the U.S. also, I mean, the last 100 years or 50, 60, 70 years um, have been, maybe, maybe more than that. But we also started as agrarian, agricultural, mostly farming-based societies, mm. the U.S. as well. So I wonder why Japan still has, has never gone off into this kind of individualistic uh, track. Maybe it's the, the Western philosophers who brought on this so. idea of throwing out your opinion and this yes. intellectualism. There was the French Revolution, there was uh, lots of philosophical ideas developing mm. in Europe and that made people uh, think about themselves, think about mm. their own psyche mm. and these kind of things. And also recently in the 60s you had the hippie movement in right. Europe. In Japan. And in Japan you didn't <laughs> have all these things. It just went on. You were, you had this peasant society and then, yeah, it came to this point when there was mm. no real big 
uh, movement, philosophical movement. Right. Right. And I have to educate myself. I don't know much about uh, Japanese philosophy. I know there's there's things out there, but it's much different than Western. But that's the topic for another show. Uh, <laughs> we we wanted to talk about. Um, uh, what, what do you think are the best things happening in Japan these days? Or what, uh, what do you find the best things about Japan? When you come back and you think of, uh, you know, the, the, your birth country, uh, you don't spend too much time here, but uh, what are the good things that have happened, are happening? What are the good things in your, in your mind? Well, I love Japanese food, I have to say, <laughs> and I think everybody loves it. Everybody can agree. I knew that would be the answer. <laughs> all right, we hear that all the time. And Japanese food, so, yes, and? What I really like in Japan is um, the nature and the, that people are very close to nature still. Mm. Uh, if you go to the countryside, also the Japanese house is made that way that nature is somehow merged into mm. the house. So uh, windows mm. are wide open, it's on the floor. Um, yeah, it's just made that way. We have these tatami, mm. we have uh, lots of natural material in, inside the house as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. When I'm in my house I feel um, I definitely feel, I don't feel like I'm in some large uh, artificial man-made structure. I do feel a little bit more, um, I don't know, a better feeling than probably most houses that I've lived in in the West and mm. other places. Mm. So yeah, definitely, I, I would say that. Yeah, mm. I think that's a very deep value that Japanese have also. Uh, inside of them that they value nature so much it also mm. comes from their religion which is Shintoism you know mm. and Shintoism is actually just seeing God in all in the nature in the fire in the mountains in the water all that's nature and still to this day you feel society and people are very connected to, to the natural world. Yeah, there. Are, I think there are two ways. There's the traditional way, and which you can see, still see in the countryside, and of course you have Tokyo, where you have all these big high buildings, and everybody right. is completely disconnected with their mobile phones and everything. Yeah. yeah. I, so. Yeah, and we, you know, I, I, I spend. Uh, I, I don't. I don't often go to the big city in Japan. We live in Matsumoto. Uh, this show is coming to you from Matsumoto. We are a city of 200,000 people, geographically in pretty close to the center of Japan, mm -hmm. uh, Honshu Island, mm -hmm. Nagano, where the Olympics were, the Winter Olympics. And I think, I always remind people that most Japanese don't live in Tokyo. So I think the mentality, maybe with our, our viewers, uh, oh, Japan is Tokyo in this fast-moving place and big buildings, mm -hmm. but I think you're exactly right. To me, Japan is nature. Japan is mountains and people walking outside and, and flowers and people with their vegetable gardens and things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that's the, the Japan that I'm not sure that uh, tourists or people who have an impression, they think of it. So mm -hmm. I think it's great that mm -hmm. you, yeah, connection yeah. to nature. There's one more thing I really love in Japanese people is their friendliness mm. and their trust also in each other 
If I leave my car open, nothing happens. We leave the door open, nobody comes in. Yeah. There's a man who br who's bringing the parcels. If we're not home, he's just putting it in the entrance. <laughs> and mm. yeah, and people are really friendly. They bring their fresh uh, cucumbers and tomatoes. They bring it to our door, and there's a somehow a warm feeling between people, which is very important, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, Really, and it really it, it is nice to be in a place, uh, big city or small city like Matsumoto, small town where you can leave your car unlocked, leave your doors open. Uh, as far as I know, you and my experience, you can walk around the streets, day or night, on the mountain trails, uh, even even in the big cities. I don't have a lot of experience there, so. Maybe this collective, collectivism thing and connection to nature has some, I don't know, maybe additional connection to this low crime rate and people not really wanting to harm each other in opinions as well as physically. Yes, I, I think uh, people have a broader view also of what's going around. Oftentimes in the West people are so much into their own world mm. and so much into their own dream, what they want to become, what they want to be, that they don't see the neighbors, they don't see the things going around them. Maybe the sick neighbor next door. But here in Japan, of course, you bring your sick neighbor some food or something. Mm. So this I really appreciate here. Yep. And I hope that also, Japan can contribute this to the world, that people understand more of Japan and see what's also good in being a collective society. Yeah, great. Um, uh, excellent. Let's move along. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, things that come from Japan, ideas or contribution. What do you think uh, Japan, in the past or now, can contribute or has contributed into the whole world space of ideas? That's a big one. That's a big one, <laughs> yes. Uh, Japan, the biggest contribution from Japan, I think, that Japan declared to be a peaceful country. And Japan, in its constitution, there's article number nine, and it declares to be a peaceful country. I want to read it out. Sure. Article number nine. Aspiring sincerely to an international peace based on justice and order, the Japanese people forever renounce war as a sovereign right of the nation and the threat or use of force as a means of settling international disputes. So. I don't know if any other country, maybe only Switzerland, declared to be peaceful. And I also saw on the day of the atomic bomb in Hiroshima, mm. there's an annual ceremony. And also this year, there were strong voices of um, that Japan has the... Uh, it is so important for Japan to contribute this to the world, to speak it out more loudly, mm. that peace should be all over. 
And do you think, um, so Japan has this Article 9 in their constitution, uh, prohibiting war, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Keep keeping peace. Mm -hmm. are, other, are other countries listening to Japan? I mean, there's a lot of war around the world. Do, do you think uh, J Japan is showing this example? as a peaceful country? Are other countries looking at Japan and is, is it helping right now, do you think? I think it's not strong enough actually at the moment. And also there are voices um, to change this Article 9. Change it so, in what way? Um, well, there is a political movement of wanting to change it in that way that um, Japanese soldiers can be part of uh, the I wouldn't say war-making, but maybe in these times of terrorism mm. and lots of fear somehow around that they want to participate in uh, these uh, military movements outside also, outside of Japan. So the political movement, which I, I have, I, I'm, I'm a little bit aware of it, I don't really understand so much about uh, Japanese politics, and I know this is very it's about peace, it's also about politics, some of it. Um, do, do you think, uh, are they having success to change this, to go move away from the peace intention of this? Is that what they're trying to do? They're trying to move away from the peaceful intention of Article 9? That's right. Move towards the ability to slowly get involved with wars and conflicts. Yeah, that's right. They're trying, mm. but at the same time, there are many groups establishing now in many towns in Japan which are discussing Article Number 9, and they want to keep it, of course. Mm. So I think it is one way. You know, if you have one opposite, the other opposite also gets stronger. So the peace movement, movement is also getting stronger. And I think, actually, it's a good way of uh, making it more known, making it more, uh, yeah, known to the world. I think it's a good thing. I, I, I mean, I agree that it's, it's, I think it's one of the, the great things about Japan. Uh, I can't imagine uh, the United States adopting some really, uh, this is in the Constitution, right? You said this yes. piece, Article 9. Yes. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. My country, the U.S., or Britain, or the European countries, or uh, lots of countries, it's hard to imagine them adopting a peaceful stance. A peaceful uh, article in their constitution, in their fundamental laws. Mm. Hard to imagine. So a very unique piece of Japan. Of course, of course they are the victim of two atomic bombs. Mm. And they have this history, that's why they are here. That's why they can uh, make it such a strong statement, I think. Um, Yona, we've been through a lot. We've, we've covered uh, a lot of topics here, but um, it's, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Can, can we invite you again on the show? Of course. All right. If I'm here again in Matsumoto, anytime. All right. Uh, good luck with everything, and thank you very much for joining thank us. You. Coming up next, it's quotations. Another self-help book and author. Oh, no. What am I doing? 
You know, I almost never read self-help books. Yeah, I know. I said that last show. Um, Not because I don't think they're useful. uh, Just because uh, I'm a news, politics, science, and uh, media topics uh, junkie. And there's so much of that kind of information and analysis that I read and uh, plan to read that I rarely get the urge to read self-help books, um, self-improvement books. Well, you know, in our last show, I talked about uh, self-help author M. Scott Peck. And today, it's the personal development coach, motivator, and author, Anthony Robbins. That's A-N-T-H-O-N-Y. R-O-B-B-I-N-S. And he is our quotations segment person. Wow, what energy this guy has. Uh, you, can, you can find a clip of him on YouTube, I think. Uh, and he has a, a pretty incredible list of accomplishments, too. Uh, I was in a big bookstore in Osaka. A couple of weeks ago, and this Anthony Robbins book jumped out at me. Well, I picked it up and started reading it. He really grabbed my attention when he told the story of flying his helicopter from one meeting to the next and how he hovered over the city and he had quite an, uh, an astonishing moment. He writes that at that point, while he was hovering over the building, he realized that the building he was looking at was the exact building where he had been employed as a janitor, a cleaning person, just 12 years before. And uh, here he was flying his helicopter over it, and his life had changed. Yeah, that that little introduction really got my attention, and so I bought the book. And I've been reading it eagerly for the past couple of months, Um, past couple of weeks. The book is called Awaken the Giant Within. Awaken the Giant. The Giant Within. Uh, Anthony Robbins is uh, in the motivational business or the motivation business. He says he always asks the question, why? Why do you do what you do? What's your reason? What motivates people at any given moment to focus on this instead of that? He talks a lot about making decisions and action, action, action. According to him, our decisions are the most important thing we have as far as our personal development. More importantly, it's not just the mental process of analyzing and making a decision, but the action that comes from it. He says it's not really a decision until you act on it in some way. All right, let's look at some quotes from Anthony Robbins. 
I've come to believe that all my past failure and frustration were actually laying the foundation for the understandings that have created the new level of living I now enjoy. I've come to believe that all my past failure and frustration were actually laying the foundation for the understandings that have created the new level of living I now enjoy. I like that one. Uh, another quote from Robbins is, If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. <laughs> if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Okay, here are a few more, and uh, I will just say each of these uh, one time. They are relatively short. Successful people ask better questions, and as a result, they get better answers. I don't know if you can hear that uh, rain going on in the background there. It's a, a rainy late night here in Matsumoto. Uh, I hope the rain is not making too much noise. Uh, I like rain. Okay, back to the quotations. There is no such thing as failure. There are only results. The only limit to your impact is your imagination and commitment. The path to success is to take massive, determined action. I'll repeat that one again. The path to success is to take massive, determined action. Yeah. And finally, stay committed to your decisions, but stay flexible in your approach. Well, I hope you got something out of Anthony Robbins' words today. I know I did. And that's all for our quotation segment. One, two, three, four... Hey, our Frapper map is looking good these days with some new members. Um, from, it looks like, uh, Lovere in uh, Bergamo, Italia. Uh, Bobo1971, your ID. And Rachel from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Maurice Savid, number one, Cordoba, Argentina. Hola. And uh, B2U7591 in Vietnam, Barwant in Berlin, Germany, and V. Petty in Hungary. Thanks for putting your hometown on our map. And thanks for submitting some nice and interesting photos. 
I'm looking at the the most recent page, page number one. Uh, Rachel, a very nice, uh, very nice photo. Ooh la la. Uh, also, looks like a photo from uh, Vietnam with uh, I don't know in the classroom. V Petty, you're uh, sitting on the bed there, and uh, Bobo uh, looks like a boat trip. Gusperte, somewhere outside. <laughs> a nice photo. You look like a tough guy there. And uh, Ugata, by the sea on the rocks. All right, well, thanks for those photos. Uh, check it out at frapper.com slash English Teacher John Group. And uh, there's also a link from our podcast page and our blog. All right, well, let's wrap up this uh, show number 61. You can find our blog, uh, which has uh, many of the recent transcripts, all of our video and audio podcasts, uh, other language help, and more at our Always a Work in Progress website, EnglishTeacherJohn.com. Uh, the complete transcripts for our last two shows, uh, episodes number 59 and 60, are now on our website. Uh, they're on the blog, actually. So please visit EnglishTeacherJohn.com slash podcast or uh, EnglishTeacherJohn.com slash MyEnglishBlog for these transcripts. Uh, our email address is podcast at englishteacherjohn.com. Uh, also, you can leave us a voicemail message on Skype. And the ID is, of course, English Teacher John. Uh, thanks to Martin Chennault. He is our main man and our main music man. And we thank him for helping us out. Uh, you can check him out on his MySpace page at myspace.com. And uh, Martin is uh, M-A-R-T-I-N space C-H-E-N-H-A-L-L. Thanks to Martin Chennault. All right. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening to the English Teacher John Show. My name is John Coons on this uh, late night, uh, late rainy night in Matsumoto. Have a nice weekend and a great week. (laughs) 